Okay, so uh, let me introduce the show. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza, and today my guest is Emmy Bright. Uh, where do you live, Emmy? Are you in Detroit? I know you I am from- in Detroit. Yeah, okay. Detroit proper. How long have you been out there? I've been in the area since 2014. So I came out here for grad school in 2014. What school? Um, Cranbrook Academy of Art. Oh, oh okay. That's how you know. That's how you that know. Old place. Uh, yeah. Um, didn't Chelsea? Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. 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 I listened to her interview with you and really, of course. I, I had her on twice. The first one was really cool too. Cause she was, um, she did a performance where she was doing her hair and I was like, like, so she's so go, good. We, I mean, go I'm such back. a, I'm a super she, fan. <laughs> she is like, she is, uh, has basically booked like four guests, uh, three or four guests on the show. Just personally as a favor when I asked her like to, it, it to introduce me to, um, Detroit. So yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I feel like I got kinship with Detroit just because I've talked to a lot of people and there, there's a lot of like, uh, lefty stuff going on there, like a lot of mutual aid. And Absolutely. Stuff. So where did, so you, uh, when you, before you went to Cranbrook, oh, I'm sorry. Ugh, I, I don't know how to stop that from happening. Oh, uh, I don't know what it is. Oh, the, it, I just, you, I get, we got interrupted by, uh, by a text message. Um, oh, so you can text all you like because I can't no, hear. No, no, it. it just hit my computer. <laughs> I never, I, I never get text messages and hit them and they hit my computer. Like they always hit later. So, this is the first real time text message that doesn't show up after it's like received because <laughs> it also doesn't have. I for some reason it doesn't have my phone number on there. Anyway, this is probably going to get cut out in reference to what you're saying because it's mean, like whatever you boring. like. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. But I think um, it's hilarious, but, <laughs> but, but go, going back to what I was asking is um sure. so you before Cranbrook, where did you live? Where where are you from? Well, I've lived a lot of a lot of places. So I I grew up, I think it's easier to go the other direction, but I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. Um, so all of my childhood was sort of in the shadows of Yale and you know, toddling around that so area. Would you be like classified as a townie or self-identify as a townie aside from having gone to college? But I'm just saying like that shadow vibe. Well, shadow vibe, but also, you know, it meant that, you know, up at the divinity school, which wasn't too far from our house, there was like an amazing sledding hill. And there was, uh, what was her name? Madeline Langle came to speak in the English department and I was a huge fan of her books. And so I think I was seven or 10 and my parents took me to hear my favorite author speak and with a bunch of college kids, you know? So like, I don't think I was total townie because my mom worked at the Yale British Arts Center. So with, there was that okay. connection. And then- But you were father, still, you, they were still working for the institution, not of the elite of the institution, right? Well, but my dad is an alum from their architecture program. Oh, so okay. For graduate school. So- that sort of both and like yes townie but not also like kind of involved in the even, cultural even the children of yale grads have to drop yale no i'm kidding <laughs> i asked you i asked you <laughs> no no it's real it's real watch out the h-bomb is coming <laughs> when you went <laughs> to harvard i did <laughs> <laughs> a little oh, later though a that's later. awesome that is well so it is what it is um, i went to so i went from i grew up in new haven and then um when i was uh, getting ready to apply to college i was like i need to get out of here 
And so I ended up going to University of Chicago in the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. and worked out there for a while in like nonprofit and arts education type things and made is work. It, is it as rough and violent as the media makes it out to be the south side? Isn't that like, I mean, that's where I know the Sox are. That's the Sox fans, right? Well, so. I mean, the Sox fans and the Cubs fans are gnarly on both sides. I would no, no, say. no, 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 no. I know. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about the dividing line of like, I mean, they're both kind of working class, aren't they? The fan bases to, or, or traditional. I would just say, I would say Cubs are a little bit more fancy. Oh, okay. So then, then I was on a little bit of a right track because yeah. the South side. Okay. I think when people talk about the South side, I don't know. I mean, it's been, a, I haven't lived in Chicago since like 2006. So it's probably changed quite a bit. You were there for the, the double three-peat. Is that the Bulls? Yes. Okay, I do remember cars getting thrown around. Awesome. For the, for the Bulls win. America. But I'm like, which sport ball is tipping cars? You know what I mean? Well, you but went think, to Harvard. You don't have no no time for such pedestrian stuff. I've been very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was I was there when, and that was like very exciting, but it was also like, if you're not interested in that kind of thing, you don't go out on the Bulls celebration. So I would say like, I did a lot of work in, you know, very disenfranchised disenfranchised communities when I was there. So like, yeah, there's serious roughness. Um, I can't tell from the news and my experience whether you know, are the guns worse than they were in like, you know, between 94 and 2006? I I don't know. So definitely some tough neighborhoods, worked with a bunch of awesome, talented kids who like were facing a lot on their way to school, you know, so. Well, a lot of cities like that. There's tough stuff everywhere. So that's sort of what I just come back to. It's like there's art everywhere, there's artists everywhere. There's tough stuff. There's people on easy street. So you were teaching art in this area? In in yeah, the South Side? I was doing like after, I, I did more on the West Side, which is also the West Side and the South Side was where I was sort of doing work when I was in Chicago. And I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Sort of setting up after school programs and taking college tour trips and sort of what you think about an after school arts education program. That's what, that's what I was up to. Ooh. Um and I was there for a long time and, and loved Chicago and loved a lot of things about it. But at a certain point, the not working with nonprofits started to like oh. <laughs> break on me. Well, you know, I was, I was, I didn't have much of an analytical framework for it. So it was like, okay, these grants want me to like show concrete outcomes which I mean, I guess like, oh, maybe the kids come to school more often when there's after school programs, but I was like, there's joy in the room. How are we going to measure that there's joy in the room and that we're having an amazing yeah. time with paper mache? So I, I sort of took a step back and was like, if I'm going to stay in this line of work, I need to have a different angle on it. And that's actually when I applied to go to the Harvard Graduate School of Education to study art education. Because I was like, I need a different, there's something that's not working here and I can't quite figure it out. And what was amazing about that experience, and maybe you'd think this, like I was all, I was really ready to not, I really didn't want to want to go there. Like when I visited, (laughs) I was like, yeah, come on, impress me. And 
They sure did. There was some of the best teaching and learning, like some of the best teachers yeah. I've ever been around, really thoughtful feminist pedagogies and anti-racist pedagogies and taking things, classes like moral development for adolescents and thinking about like, how does one form an ethical framework? And I mean, it was fascinating. So it was mm -hmm. like, a re I don't want to be like, it was a great experience, but it really was a great experience. No, I mean, who, who you, you can, I like, it's easy to resent an institution from not when you don't have access to it, but I'm sure there's nuance and, and stuff. I think like, also different schools, different vibes, you know? So like an education school, is going to feel different than oh, the within school. the college. You, you, not not different. Not the difference between Harvard and and Yale. Because <laughs> I I imagine that's less different. I, when I would imagine too. And I had friends who went to Harvard for undergrad, and this didn't feel like that. So yeah, yeah it was very very. Well, I know weird. painters that have gone to Yale, and and they're mm -hmm. they're they they're obviously like it's a weird thing. I feel like art is so uh, focused on being ethical in this way that is only uh, available to people that are entrenched in academia, right? Where it's like the, there's a purist mindset sure. involved in that. And I think that like, um, I think that artists that I know that have gone tail have like that pedigree but also have a little bit of like it's almost like catholic guilt it resembles <laughs> oh i've got tons of guilt i can't blame the catholics for it it's definitely my jewish people but... oh yeah, yeah well it's i mean it's judeo-christian i yeah, just speak I for my side <laughs> both and both and <laughs> we learned it from watching you dad <laughs> so much so much <laughs> um yeah it's uh it so that's funny but okay so then uh so now you're in art education well so so I was yeah I studied arts education and then went and worked up at this amazing and strange little boarding school for kids with dyslexia in upstate okay. New York and I was like the art teacher and there was like nothing to do around I shared a studio with a friend and there's like chickens and horses and apple trees in the forest it was very very idyllic but also rather lonely but I learned more that, about that seems to be a theme with like, uh, you know, people that know uh, <laughs> Chelsea, they end up in these like really rural kind of uh, like her episode said, Skowegan is not a cult, but the vibe is very much like the movies oh, about cults make cult seems. <laughs> I am right there with Chelsea about the sort of cultish <laughs> environments. But this one was also like really cool because it was kids with really different brains who had like severe enough learning differences that their parents yeah. were sending them to a boarding school essentially so that they could be learn how to read. And yeah. so it was a real honor, you know, tutoring some of these kids and teaching them how to, I mean, teaching them how to read, but also doing screen printing and fiber arts and spray painting a couch together after school just for the lounge area. So it was a blast. Um, yeah. But then- I was like, I can't, I sort of accidentally quit that job. I was sort of having my year end meeting with the principal and he was like, so um, what are you thinking? What do you think about for the future? And I was like, I gotta be in a city. And he's like, so <laughs> you're resigning? And I was like, oh, oh I, I, 
I guess I just did. <laughs> I like that you didn't stall for time. <laughs> I like that you didn't stall for time. You were just like, uh, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like you had an aha moment in a business meeting. Yeah. I think it was like, like there's some Emmy inside of me that knows what's good for me. And every once in a while they get up and just say the shit and the yeah. rest of the time I'm like, Oh my God, what did you do? <laughs> so, um, I was, I ended up um, moving to Providence, Rhode Island from there, uh -huh. where I lived and worked for about five years. I taught at RISD. I worked at a wonderful after-school arts organization called New Urban Arts, had studios, had tons of collaborators and friends. It's a really, it's a very collaborative city. I think there's so many brown people and RISD people and artists who are just sort of packed in there that it's like somebody RISD, always- the uni the college? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So there's a huge content. That's interesting to me. There's there's so what are the what are the other big uh college contingencies? Like what are the huge migrations of, of programs? Do you have like people from uh mass art and stuff like that? Less of that. It's because that's about an hour away, but in Providence, you know, in Providence proper, that's where Rhode Island School of Design is and also Brown. Oh, is so you're right not talking there. about Detroit. I'm sorry, I missed the uh, no, no. Yeah. No, and so after Providence is when I came out to Detroit okay so Providence so, so you said I think that maybe you said Providence and I didn't catch the Rhode Island connection because my geography of America is pretty is is pretty Rhode Island is very small so <laughs> and Providence <laughs> is like I guess it's I I, I think it's have my it heart easy. Listen it's to me. I even had it. I even had it backwards. I thought Providence was the state, and I was like, "No." <laughs> so okay. So all right. Now I'm. That's now like a I'm long answer, but <laughs> no, no. I'm just so confused with the uh, with with Rhode Island geography and which one is the bigger thing. I I just never really think of Rhode Island, but I uh, no, it, Okay, it's not an island, a, and then it's okay. Tiny. It's like just sort of hidden under Massachusetts, squished next to Connecticut, you know, okay. right in there. So I thought you were talking about all the art, art, program, art, art people that are in Detroit. Do you have an answer to that? Like, what are the main colleges that are in Detroit? We can go back to Rhode Island. Oh, no, no, no. Sure. But just um, to bridge the gap between what, what no, we no. did, how we misunderstood each other. There's a lot of artists in Detroit. Um, but like I said, I think there's a lot of artists everywhere. Um but well, like there's where... artists everywhere, but there's like the main colleges are College for Creative Studies is a private art school that I think was found, don't quote me on this one, but uh, I think it was founded by the car industry to sort okay. of foster de car designers, textile designers, but it also has a fine arts program. But um, is there a lot of Cranbrook as well? Because, I mean, I know two people from Detroit and they happen to be from Cranbrook. <laughs> I think Cranbrook is a force to be reckoned with. Um, <laughs> art, it just, you know, it's sneezing out about 75 MFA havers every year. So, you know, those yeah. more and more folks are sticking around Detroit as, I mean, Detroit's so interesting, like, people have been making things happen here the whole time, you know, during mm. bankruptcy, when the auto industry is closing, but there hasn't been that much infrastructure. And I think slowly you're seeing more and more infrastructure, like galleries popping up, jobs at museums, teaching gigs, nonprofits, um, studio spaces, all of that is sort of slowly ratcheting up. And I think that is 
allowing more people to stay. Whereas I think before the way you were talking about Chicago earlier, and I don't know the time frame because I've only been here since 2014, but it's changed a lot even in that in that time. But I think before then people were like, oh, don't walk on the sidewalk, walk in the middle street because this is dangerous or this is dangerous. But um, I think it's I think, you know, of course, neighborhood to neighborhood, but I think it's mellowed out a lot. And there's a lot more arts infrastructure that's keeping people around. Well, I mean, the the main reason I asked the question, I framed it the way that I did is because it's like L.A. is not really that, like you know, just don't do don't be in the middle of nowhere without a car, like which is usually what the movies are about, like the purge. The, there's one purge movie where people's cars break down in the middle of it and they're like they have to hide. I love the purge, but um I haven't seen it, but I've just gotten into horror movies. So <laughs> yeah. very excited about that. So, but, uh, but yeah, LA is, is pretty chill even, but I mean, even like, I would say that you would be okay if you had to walk on foot through Skid Row, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's like, it's, I mean, it's sad, but in terms of danger, you know, so, and so I that. I would say much of Detroit feels similar now. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. My senses before I had a friend who lived here. And not to dwell on this, because I think Detroit gets a bad rap, but a friend of mine who lived here maybe 2005 to 2012, she was like, oh, if you're living by yourself, you got to have a dog. But I'm really, ha I mean, I adore my dog. So it's like a blessing. <laughs> I got two crazy beasts that I share my home with and it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So did you actually have a topic today? I know you know a little bit about the format here, maybe... I do, but I I couldn't decide on which well, one. We can talk about what all both of them. I'm sure they're <laughs> somehow related. <laughs> I'm sure they are. They're related what, with you being interested in them, so that's well, a good tell, starting point. Tell me again the prompt. It's it's something that you're interested in outside of your art practice, or, or something it can be it can be like if you're fat, passionate about something about specific about art or art. You know, like I've had people talk about literally anything. I that I just want to talk about what you want to talk about is basically oh, the pre premise. I mean, I love dogs. I recently got into horror movies. I'm obsessed with psychology. What sounds the most fun for you? Well, I mean, I haven't had a dog episode, so <laughs> I think that might be. Possible. Are you a dog person? No, I I tend to side more with cats, but maybe you can enlighten me. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna change up a cat to a dog. I mean, that's a big ask right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we respect each other's boundaries, so you are yes, also good with cats. <laughs> I, well, I actually, I mean, I feel bad for him. My cat Bun Bun got left out of the two beasts in the household. It's two naughty beasts, and he's the good one. So yeah, it's me. That's how cats, cats are. Or one cat and two dogs. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I'll try to not make this a cat versus dog thing, but no, but what, I, what it, what well, it, I think that's also an interesting dichotomy there. Cause like, have okay. you ever, a friend of mine used to say, you know how cats are girls and dogs are boys. And I was like, what? what? And I was like, oh yeah, that is how we gender them as a species. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah. I don't know what it says what, about what we think about men and women though, more than anything. Right. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's fascinating. You, you, I, I, uh, you, do you remember like the the Tom Green era of like media in America? Are you, are you old be more enough? specific? Like be more just specific. like so the, the there was a basically uh, a documentary a while back 
about called hyper reality or something hyper something uh, anyway basically the premise was that media was putting out these uh, personalities right like these this these uh, st- uh, uh prototypes like in the 90s during the Kirk Cobain era it was the MOOC, I think is what they called it. I hope I'm not saying an offensive word and, and miss you. Mi, oh, I don't, I've miss, never heard that word. Okay. So I think it's, I think it's like an old timey term for like a dummy, but like, okay. so, uh, he, he like, basically that's the, it, the Tom green kind of like goofy, dumb, but kind of clever, but like also really, really dumb. Uh, think American pie, you know, like, okay. Th- yeah, that, yeah. 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 That, that kind of like, like maybe like a just guy who's so dumb he but anyway and then the woman what like and then the women were super sexualized in 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 that time with stuff like the grind and whatnot <clears throat> and it was reflect like the thesis of the documentary was that it was reflecting these archetypes to people and they were internalizing them right i think that's fair i feel like american pie was a force yeah well i i think i mean i think that it's actually a pretty scholarly movie i, I forget the guy's name it's he's he's done other stuff that's really interesting he did it's for the bbc i think hyper Ooh. hyper something bro i can't remember it i i apologize for my my pothead memory but mm. um but but basically, I th- I feel like that kind of is reflected in that cats versus dog. I'm so glad I remembered why I brought that up. <laughs> no, no, you did good. I was like, oh yeah. Where are we going? <laughs> We're talking about American Pie now. I only saw it once, but I remember. <laughs> oh my god, that movie. Oh, well. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. But but I but I think that that is kind of like maybe maybe that idea of like the dumb goofy guy. And then it also plays into the archetype of like, I don't know how your dad was treated in the family, but dads kind of get shit on a little bit in families as like, dad, you don't know anything. (laughs) Well, my friend who's a father, I love him. Um, His name is Rashawn Rucker. He posted some comedian talking about, did you know that father's day is, the that he's like christmas is number one the most popular holiday and mother's day is number two so you've got jesus and you've got mom you know (laughs) and and he's like do you know where father's day is on the list like it is 18 it is (laughs) it is after halloween so ghosts and ghouls are before dad so well, well, we're recording this right after Father's Day, and I gotta say, I I never realized that it was on a weekend. They don't even give Dad a day off. <laughs> wait, they, wait, they don't give Mom a day off either. It's always no, I know, but uh, but all around. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's it fits into the pattern of like making Black History Month February, which is the oh, yeah. the smallest month. Do you know what day in the coldest know, if you're in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, and do you know do you know what days uh, like what months are um are are for uh, Latin American History Month? It overlaps two months. It's like from the from the fifteenth of one month. I don't even remember what it is because of it's it. not even yeah. a freaking month. Yeah. <laughs> it's name. a month, but it's a month like overlapping two months. So that's like calling a month of Sundays a real month. It is yeah, not exactly. a real month. <laughs> that is just thirty one days, not a real month. <laughs> anyway, my point is that mom and dad could use a day off 
on their holiday where we honor them where they're working and they also have fucking kids. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's start a petition. <laughs> at least if it was like on a Tuesday, the kids would be at school and they could be like, I'm going to go get my toes done or Hell something. yeah. <laughs> Make school man- mandatory on Mother's and Father's Day on oh, Sunday. <laughs> son, that's a real Sunday school, you know? Move over, church. We've got a different Sunday school celebrating the tired moms and dads. <laughs> yeah, as someone who uh, has no kids and no intentions of having kids, I will rally for this. <laughs> I would also get behind it because I feel yeah. like basically every day for me is Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. But then we would also get another's day off. Another's day. <laughs> another another's, day off. We can start another holiday called Another's Day. We definitely could. <laughs> I bet we'd get some people signing onto that. All right. So then dogs. I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's a multiple things. One is, I mean, I grew up loving, loving animals. And I think dog, we had this wonderful dog named Molly who was half St. Bernard, half shepherd, and she was giant. So she was like who we cuddled with and who we played with and, who we'd go to the park with so no one would snatch us because, you know, so she was wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of obsessed, but I think there's something I'm learning from dogs now that I'm grown, which is I've been obsessed in my artwork with psychology for a long time and think about, you know, projection and, you know, Lacan is far from perfect, but has some interesting ideas. So real nerdy around that. And Mm -hmm. then to do training with a dog where it's like you look at something scary and you get a piece of hot dog. And then you look at something scary scary, and you get a piece of hot dog and you see their like fear response going down. So it's like, what are you showing them? Well, it depends what they're afraid of. I had this beautiful dog named Dan Cookie who was afraid of everything. He was like, oh, my God. So these are like like super nervous dogs. Uh, I, I mean, I are, have. A are you fostering? Like, how many dogs do you have? I only have two right now, but sometimes I have a third in the basement. But that usually makes me feel pretty crazy. <laughs> and having anything that's alive in the basement sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't than, frame it right, <laughs> I know better than some other options for the pups. But yeah, I think so. Then so, well, the, th- the third is like a foster, or how, yeah, why do you have a roving be. dog? I have two that are mine. And before before this, I had Dan Cookie and he was afraid of like skateboarders and bikes and men who walked funny and men who wore hats and anyone holding What's a funny up. walk for a man? I mean, anything remotely lopsided. He was like, okay. I got to kill that zombie, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That was his response. <laughs> but it was so cool to just be like, okay, they're half a block away. They're on a skateboard or they're walking funny or whatever. And we're just like feeding hot dogs and okay. looking at the scary thing. And over time, like years, like watching him become more comfortable on the street in his skin with a guy who walks funny. I think there's something so beautiful that fear can be modulated that way. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of my shenanigans around like projection and let's talk about what mom did and years and years of therapy. It's like, Oh, like, look at this. Like, I think it's actually very much related to the interest in psychology. It's just, mm-hmm. 
a much more elemental version of it. And I think it's so beautiful. So the, the, I always just, <laughs> because he's a behavioralist, I always think BF Skinner when I think of dog training and stuff like that. And that, just, that is more you, his. You just mentioned something else though. Cause I mean, we can talk about how much fun we can have thinking about how BF Skinner treated humans like dogs, but, but, but what was the name you said? You said you read someone with an L. Oh, I well, think I've read a lot, but like, look, like Jacques Le Lacan has like Lacan. all these complicated ideas around desire and like desire like let's say you want a cheeseburger really bad like you only want it so bad when you don't have it and so it's like desire swirls around lack which sits in the center or absence and so like if i were to give you the cheeseburger and you were eating it you might enjoy it but you no longer like yearn for it because you have it right so that's sort of like part of lacan's sort of shtick but like that's super complex and language based and, you know, and mm. this the BF Skinner is like, oh, you can actually make something scary a lot less scary if you like pair it with something really great, you know? Is that how you've and, gotten into horror movies? Is that the, <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you been, have you been into horror <laughs> movies and I hope, I don't think she'll mind. Do you know the artist Katarina Riesing? No. Do you know her work? She's brilliant. Like visual she's artist? Visual artist. I mean, okay. she's wonderful. Um, She's really into them and does a lot of body stuff in her paintings. And she was like, I think I can get you to like them. And I was like, they're too scary. I'm a scaredy cat. I don't need any help fearing the world. Like I'm already well equipped to like feel like danger is everywhere. And she's like, well, let's take it slow. And so we'd start with older ones and the shades would be up and we'd start watching it like one in the afternoon. Like, I think this was like <laughs> a year ago. And 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 slowly we would get like later in the day or we watch in the day with the, the shades closed. And <laughs> we had a beautiful dog and she would let me feed Franny all the snacks I wanted to. So I'd be like, <laughs> you know, just flying Franny with snacks because I needed some like comfort and attention. But from a year of, and it was, and then she moved from Detroit back to teach Alfred where she was. And just to stay in touch, we started to keep, we continue to watch horror movies together and just text each other like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh my God, <laughs> you know? So that's been like such a fun, like hobby to have with a friend and way to stay in touch and yeah, yeah, yeah. lets me watch things that are too scary to watch by myself. <laughs> so what have you watched? What do you, what, what, what do you like? Well, gosh, one of my favorite, I mean, this might be telling, um, I think my favorite one that we watched was called Goodnight Mommy, and it was in German. Have you seen that one? No, but that sounds terrifying. <laughs> it is beautiful and terrifying. And like it's when you said that, I was like, no. But don't I mean, I'll watch, watch it. The, don't no. watch the English version. It's the German version that's the original. Ah, that's usually the, that's usually like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Germans know something about horror. Do you feel like <laughs> What, having the subtitles or do you speak German? I do not speak German. Okay, so, so do you think having the subtitles helps like with the fear? It, 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 I it, think it helps with yeah, the fear yeah. for sure. But it also, it's not a big 
talky movie like it's mostly not like mostly silent in an annoying or boring way but it's there's not a lot of reading mm. but it's it's a gorgeous and i'm not gonna spoil it for you no no I, no i, I want definitely you to watch it <laughs> good night mommy good night mommy yeah I was hoping it wasn't that when I tried to remember because it's so creepy. <laughs> it's super creepy. It's super creepy. And it's super creepy, but really, really awesome. And like, what else did we watch? So we also like one of my more contemporary favorites was It Follows. Okay. Have you seen that one? No, I, I, I've that one I've heard of. So you're like getting into it. You're, you're going for like the non, you're not like watching The Conjuring. You're not what you're watching, like some more artsy stuff, right? Well, I mean, I mean, you're watching classics, I would say. I think, well, we did some classics because I was woefully, I mean, I hadn't seen anything. Have you watched? I mean, we should probably go back into the psychology of horror. But uh, no, that's part of what has me there. Yeah. But so that we're not just naming like bros naming movies, but but no, uh, no, no. I'm um, down to talk about the psychology. No, 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 I know, but have you watched uh I would recommend uh Hereditary if you haven't seen that. Oh, one. I have seen it. That okay. one. <laughs> so brilliant. So so so, so we, we but that without, one's like we, so beautiful too. I think, no, it's and, insane. It's insane and and you know know where it's going, but and I th- think psychologically it's like yeah, this there, is the this is a grief you have. story. This is a grief story. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a story about like loss and the way I think to me it's about intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. I think it's like how does trauma go from one generation to the next? And it's like, sure you can see I don't what if I spoil I'm not gonna spoil it. Yeah, can don't I? spoil. We can speak I'll, in generalities. I'll speak I'll speak in generalities, but like I think this is true in a lot of movies um a lot of horror movies that like you can say like oh yes the monster or the ghost is the bad guy mm-hmm. you know that is attacking or chasing or hiding or whatever but i think it's where i get a lot out of it is being like the monster or ghost or whatever is a metaphor yeah for yeah. these like ineffable things like intergenerational trauma or how do we carry our parents and our lineage with us, whether they are living or not? And well, there, think- there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting dynamics, especially in that movie because it's the family movie. Whereas, like, <clears throat> there's like the parent that has done something that's kind of weird and un not understandable to one of the kids, and the father needing to protect somebody from that. And then you also just have like, it. there's just a move. Like we don't like, we can move on to a different movie or a different kind of like to, to talk more about this idea. Cause I don't want to spoil anything. No, I don't there's, think we will, but I think there's, the there's a, there's a the moment, but there's a moment in that movie Tell where me. I was like, I don't know if I can keep watching this because the intensity of what happens is so absolutely core to everything that you can never even fathom happening. But, but you can empathize with the character or sympathize with the character in this absolutely. way. It puts you in this, like, it's like, it gives you a dark, horrible, horrifying fantasy that makes you appreciate, like, that it didn't happen to you. <laughs> or that it's not happening right now. But yeah. I, I think there are times in our lives that it's like 
not wild incidents, but whatever that feeling is, that horrible feeling like comes to everyone at some point. And to me, I actually got it. Part of the reason I could get into the horror movies was I listened to a beautiful a podcast called the scaredy cats horror show where there's someone who's like me very fearful of <laughs> horror very fearful of a lot of things but his friend sort of takes him through five classic movies with different like academic film experts who talk on the show and it was actually one of those episodes where they talked about like horror being like horror movies being a safe place to practice difficult feelings oh that's amazing like, yeah oh my god like what's now, that podcast again shout it out that's really good i want to get it's brilliant it's called the scaredy cats horror show and it's by the two guys who used to do oh my gosh what was it called it used to be called reply all they did a sort of podcast okay. on the internet and human interest but they did just a five or six episodes of the scaredy cats horror show and it was quite wonderful that sounds quite awesome wonderful. yeah yeah so yeah i mean i feel like i actually do that pretty regularly with other substitutes but um have you ever watched any like takeshi Mike? oh uh that's not who's that that's what did they do they uh, uh ichi the killer so it's wow. ultra violence. I don't know. It's but it's beautiful gore. It was introduced to me. It's it's a lot more violent than stuff like uh, uh, Old Boy and uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. But I I got into them both at the same time. Uh, I would say I like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance the best out of the trilogy of violence, which is Old Boy and all of those. But but it, the, the I really like Mika. He's he does he puts you in that space of like it complete um, visceral experiences. There's one that I'm scared to watch called Audition, and I know that there's only a part like that. It only gets violent at the end, and that sounds more awful to me. <laughs> and you can see I'm taking notes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like the Harvard nerd right here, being like, "What do I need to see?" But but yeah, I I I really like. The, I guess. It's an interesting spectrum that we're well, maybe maybe it's not like to get back into the dog side of this. I'm trying to do this triangle, uh, uh, I'm triangle. To travel any of these. No, places. but I, but I, think, I, I think it's funny. Yeah, I, I get it. You got psychology, and then you've got two genres: dogs. <laughs> Have you ever watched Cujo? No, I'm kidding. I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, but here's the thing: when I was little, this is one of the wonderful things my folks did for me, which is. They were they were pretty conservative about like gifting, like you got a gift on your birthday and a Christmas, you know, that kind of, but we were allowed to have any books we wanted when we were little. Oh, okay. So I thought like, you were gonna say pets. <laughs> I was like, I that's wish. not a gift. I wish <laughs> that's a job. <laughs> I would have loved that job. <laughs> but but it was cool because it was like, oh, it was their way of like encouraging us to read. Yeah. We would go to the library and we would go to the bookstore. And we, you know, that was like um yeah if all right. i could snack on was uh celery at any time i, I would like celery <laughs> right well i and i think for me like books books were this place where i could explore things that i had no access to so in like eighth grade i was reading william s burroughs 
And oh my like, god, dude! That. But, but what like, did you, which one did you read? To. Naked Lunch. I, I read Naked Lunch. Oh. I read Queer. I read. But I was just like, I maybe it was ninth grade, but it was like fairly early for like encountering like hard drugs and all of that. But it was. To me, it was this. The hard like, drugs are the least like traumatizing thing about that book. <laughs> I think for me, I'm like, look what all this. Look at everything that can. But like, I could read. I read Bukowski when I was younger. I read Bukowski's like much easier to digest when you're young than fucking. I read that shit when I was an adult, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> no, I. Read, I mean, I think I was. I didn't have all my consciousnesses in a row for sure. But I like when I was young, like sixth or seventh grade. I would read Stephen King into the night, hiding under my covers and wow. be terrified, <clears throat> but I loved it. So I have not seen Cujo, but I've read it. <laughs> so, so you, so, so it's, what is it? I guess you have more control when you're reading because you're, you're building the fantasy, like the building, the imagery as opposed to like, or I think, or I could like close it or it's like not in your ears at the same yeah. time. Like, I think there's something about the sound of horror. Cause a friend of mine before Kat tried to get me into a horror movie and we watched a Halloween and I spent the whole movie under a coat going. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to play me all of these videos of people wearing the Michael Max mask dancing the soldier boy dance just to make uh-huh. it not as scary. <laughs> what year was this? <laughs> it was maybe maybe about 2006 or something. The soldier boy dance has staying power. Okay, life. okay. I can't maybe... do it, but I am an enthusiast. <laughs> I just know I only hear him his voice on like uh what's it called? Like or his name mentioned in rumor reports on a breakfast club oh <laughs> like, no charlemagne the god show that's the only time i ever hear him and i'm like if charlemagne's talking about him is probably not making records <laughs> well i do think it's worth googling on youtube soldier for boy dance. listeners soldier boy michael mask halloween dance okay really wonderful <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm I'm starting to come to terms with like just being out of touch, especially in this like much more nicheified culture where I just get more of what I want and nothing of what the kids are liking unless it like leaks in through the edges. <laughs> I mean, I get a little bit because I'm working with, you know, people in their mid twenties all the time. I I learn a little bit about what they're into, but mostly I'm like, Wait, TikTok got burned into your phone? What? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know what that term I think there's is. a graphic like when you're watching the videos and it keeps like, you know, you the can two- watch Oh, really? The graphic stays in the same place. So one of my students had that burned into their phone and I was like, are you spending enough time in the studio yeah, if you got Jesus. TikTok burned on your damn phone? But, you know, they did a great thesis project. So what do I know? <laughs> well, maybe they, it's just a lot of research. Yeah, uh, exactly. Wait, so then wait, are you teaching? I uh, teach at Cranbrook in their MFA okay. program for print, me- print media. So people do all kinds of things like installations and performances. And okay, that's what I like about that program is it's like, it's for people who love printmaking and who like have a background in it or not, but have an interest in it. But I don't care what you make, you know, yeah. like 
if you start being a sculptor or a drawer or a performance artist, it must be 2D. <laughs> I'm like, there's print thinking. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And even when I saw your drawings, when I was looking <laughs> you up, I was like, oh, he draws like a printmaker. <laughs> yeah, except a lot of drawings. A, a lot less efficient. In fact, I'm going backwards. I'm trying to learn printmaking now. <laughs> I literally have been getting I into screen printing. I think it's the right way to go, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm actually enjoying some of the stuff that I'm doing now where I'm like the the thing I like about the acrylic is that I've learned how to uh, stack acrylic I just need the patience and the actual piece that I want to put the time but like with the masking and stuff like I'm I'm starting to do some of some stuff that's same toned but differentiated nice, nice, by nice, like texture nice. like I mean it's all smooth but like the, it 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 uh, like it kind of pieces overlap um, but um, that's Going back into I think any the masking is a stencil move, so it's like about time silkscreen comes into the work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've always wanted to learn how to silkscreen, I just never, I never signed up for the class. Not, I didn't even know what it was when I was studying I photography. Yeah, so yeah. now it's like, oh, I get to play with photo light sensitive material again. I love uh, it, <laughs> I love it, I, I love it. I think sometimes printmakers and printmaking programs can be really navel gazing and, and like do like I made a 17 layer yeah, yeah, yeah. registered lithograph and I'm like yeah but it's of a skull and yeah. there's so many like yeah, yeah, so yeah. many and so how do you get into do you do you, do you have access to the lithography yep at the, we at have access but I like the simplicity of silkscreen. I like yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, you code a screen, hour and a half later, you can do, you could be printing, you know? Yeah. And I have deep respect for all of the print processes and think litho is absolutely beautiful, but I sort of feel like it's a little necromancy to be like stone. Yeah. Image if I rub you with this and I smooth you with that and I, you know. I'll have someone do it, but I, I, I definitely want to, they look so amazing like it looks so amazing i just don't want to do it <laughs> yeah no 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 no. that is the nice thing about postmodernism. you don't have oh to. oh my gosh and it's like it's like i think also like silkscreen being sort of in the printmaking processes like very easy in comparison yeah, yeah. It no it's really nice. ideas quicker it lets yeah. me pull around more it's like i don't have to carry a stone with me wherever i'm going i just throw some frames in the back of the car it's yeah. yeah. I, I like it that I think it comes from my punk rock roots that <laughs> that feels like you have a punk rock vibe. Roots. You have a friendly punk rocker vibe. I am a friendly <laughs> punk rocker. Vibe. You too. Are you a friendly <laughs> punk rocker? Okay. I'm a friendly raver that was punk uh -oh. rock posing, but skater. Well, you've got to get out to Detroit for our movement festival if raving is in your I, I I mean I I've been told about it. I think I am. I think uh you know I I think there's been a lot of like impactful changes in 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 life recently for me, and I think that uh, I definitely want to do more stuff like that. So now that I know, I've like slowly infiltrated Detroit by 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 way of it's crazy how many people Chelsea knows. We already did a Chelsea segment, but but well, I I, mean, I know people in LA. <laughs> What's that? What's that? It's time for part two on Chelsea yeah. Flowers. Well, Best I mean, artist. I know people out here that know her in this crazy <laughs> way. Like it's so, uh, it goes to show that the art world is big, but also very small. 
I try to teach my students that where it's like, even if it's just self-serving, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Like, even if it's only for your career, be kind. <laughs> like, you know, they don't always listen, but <laughs> no, I know because I, I I've talked to some of their adult versions. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm I'm approaching. I think in like six months, five months ish, I'll be at 200 episodes. And, oh, and I'm like, awesome. the, the, the enormity of that <laughs> is starting to weigh on me. I'm like, oh my God. Are you God. still enjoying it? I love it. Yeah. I mean, like okay. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> well, I know I'm doing it right now, but sometimes we keep doing things just because we've been doing things. Not No, I haven't sunk in enough to it for it to become a fallacy i i really it it only has made my life better so uh yeah and hopefully it'll bring me lots and lots of cash you know how much of that art cash absolutely (laughs) i mean i think we should go for a you know head smart sponsorship for this episode (laughs) uh yeah or a butcher sponsor or a a what a butcher with all the heart or with horror or <laughs> we could get like the talkify better help whatever internet counseling i mean i think you've got your ad sales figured out on this one. <laughs> yeah i think i think with with time we'll get there but, hey uh, Purina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey 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 this is all free still so you're just plugging free <laughs> you're giving free ads <laughs> i want them to know how that there's a real value add to Purina one dog food helping out this podcast <laughs> um so you can so, come to Detroit for the movement fest. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So then I have, uh, uh, like, I, I definitely wanted to ask you broadly about, because with both things, you we talked about dogs and we talked about <laughs> horror. And uh-huh. with both things, we talked a lot about fear. Uh, <laughs> and then the third thing was psychology <laughs> that so. also is fear related <laughs> wow you got my number uh, not how i meant to come out on this podcast but uh, fair I, I, very fair I got, I got busted listening <laughs> <laughs> you got busted listening big time and not forgetting what you said <laughs> like multiple minutes ago very good job uh so uh so what's what's with that like what's up with fear fear do you have Um, do you have any particular are you like do you have any fun phobias or is it dark stuff that we should just skip over and gloss um like are you afraid of spiders like is it podcasty fear i'm i well i think there's two answers one is i'm definitely like i fear mice in a like totally stand on the chair and scream kind of way in that does not fit my gender presentation how I respond (laughs) to mice um so I definitely have that but I think fear in the more personal way that I'm totally fine with talking about is I think I think I grew up in a kind of like like oh no you hold your shit like you Mm -hmm. don't like let it everywhere you kind of take care of your stuff and you know that's how most of the folks in my family are and I think as I got older, it's like, oh, what if we don't have to bury all of that? Like, what if, mm. what if that's like, I think in fear with like horror movies, it's like, what if that's kind of exciting? 
and maybe can help us be a little bit more brave if we've encountered these things in fantasy. And then I also think about like in the the deep dark fear kind of thing that I think people are very lonely in their fears. Mm. And so some of my art practice is about sort of being very out front about it. Like, mm. oh, I'm having this problem. Oh, I can't do this. Or I have a performance I do where I'm listening to a song on my headphones that people request. And I've like made a karaoke book and all that. They can't hear the song. I'm the only one who can hear it. And I'm typing it and transcribing it and singing it all at the same time. And it is a hot mess. I am not a good <laughs> singer. I can't hear what I'm singing. I don't know all the words. It's it's like, and Chelsea actually wrote a beautiful essay about that project for this zine that we made. I can mail you one. But I think there's something about doing doing the thing that we're so afraid of or making art about the things that we're so worried about or um, writing stories about things that caused us shame that my hope is that if I can come out there and be like authentic and um, usually funny mm -hmm. that it becomes like, well, what if, you know, what if it's not so bad or what if you're not alone in that or what if I'm mm -hmm. not alone? Or me sort of making a bid for what if I'm not alone in it? And then when an audience sees it and responds, like, sometimes I'm alone in it and sometimes I'm not, you know? So, so I think it's like finding comfort or, or companionship in the horrible things. Yeah, no, I get, I get it. But in terms of your background, though, because what you're describing sounds more uh, waspy, but you're Jewish, right? Or is that well? I'm I've come from a strange family, like mother Jewish, and my father was raised Christian Science. Oh, and okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not waspy, <laughs> or that's super waspy. Is it is it Protestantism? No, that's like that's like not Skowhegan cult. That's more like cult cult. That's the that's like the the people medicine. that don't yeah they don't go to doctors and stuff. Yeah, they were they were they were bigger in culture or more awareness of that. Uh, community existed in the eight nineties, I feel like, you know, because there were people, well, there was the Christian science monitor, which Bill Crystal's still That's around. Exactly. How the fuck is that guy still around? You know who I'm talking about, right? Bill Crystal I used do. to get who humiliated. He's like one of the most influential people in the world right now. It's crazy. Well, and that is still a newspaper. And that's so my grandmother was Christian science. And like, so I would say, you know, my father did not practice that, but there was this sort of like haunting trauma of organized religion on that side. Yeah, yeah, that's not Mom is a, a Jew from the South, which I think is a different, you know, and she was born in the 40s. So I think, you know, what anti-Semitism looked like in Atlanta then is very, very different. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know what it's like now. I've but talked to my Cuban grandparents. I know how bad anti-Semitism was <laughs> yeah, back then. Right? It was just a given. It like it was all a over. Given, and I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Morgan Freeman, the driving Miss Daisy where the temple yeah. got bombed, but like that was the temple that she and her family would go to. So oh, I would wow. say like on both sides in different ways, like there's some pretty serious like fear vibes, you know, like, am I going to be okay? Cause we're not going to the doctor on one side and like who's bombing what on the other side, not all the time. Cause they're also both relatively well-adjusted people. Mm. Um, but I think there's something about like 
the we have to do it alone part that I react to that I'm mm. like no what what if we can do it together like yeah, what if yeah. what if it's not just me or just you but maybe that is it is maybe more of a waspy orientation to like be seeking that community around difficulty rather than no, what I mean, like, I just, I always find, or, and this is completely stereotyping, no, I'm interested. But, the, but the stereotypes in general of at least Latin American families, which is the perspective that I'm coming from, yeah, is yeah. that we're vulnerable with each other, you know, like, yes. despite all the notions of machismo and all of that shit, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's not, it's a different, to me, a wasp, it, it, like, wasp culture is a little bit more, uh it there and i'm not saying that wasps are bad people i'm just saying no, the no, trauma no. that parent that parents put on their kids is different Absolutely. in our culture than in that one and i and i find that a lot of it is about not talking about feelings I not talking about true. things yeah yeah you know? and, and and i think uh, it's sort of tough it out it's more of an individualistic where it seems like what you're describing is i don't want to see you crying i you know which yeah, happens yeah, yeah. in which happens in latin american culture too but in a different way and there are things you can cry about it's, yeah, it yeah. it feels like it feels like uh to even to adult people of uh that who's who may not may not even be maybe atheists but came from that yeah, culture yeah. absolutely they they seem to have a hard time with feelings like, and what do you think about like what is okay versus not okay to cry about in your family if you don't mind sharing? Uh I think you know, like I think that I just I, I feel like there is uh the the sentiment is like there is so much to deal with. It's not it's not it doesn't come from a like it comes from a place of like, yo, it's going to be hard, yeah. you know, which is, but we still get to express the feelings. It's just don't maybe don't cry about it to me, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. but like, yo, I'm stressed out about this. So like, yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. about how deep can you share your feelings with somebody? Whereas yeah. I feel like, like, you know, and I've cried to my parents plenty and it's not like, mm. you know, I, I remember having a very, serious like moment of just desperation in uh in like a public mall in france mm -hmm. that and like i just cried in front of them and like i i felt empathy from everybody in the space you know so oh, it's not cool. it's not like it's not like crying is not allowed you know but right. it is it's more of like a practicality issue where i don't think i think like i feel like there's like a you know like Going back to the the men versus women stereotype, yeah, like, yeah, dogs and cats, <laughs> dogs and cats, exactly. Like, <laughs> I think that the idea that men don't talk about their feelings is pretty waspy. Like, mm -hmm. I talk about my feelings to all my friends, and if you're not uh -huh. in that group, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like, like people know where I'm at. Like, I don't, you know, I don't tell them like every single thing, but like, it's like, hey, I'm going through something. Like, you yeah. know, I need you to hang out with me, but like, yeah. you know. Like, and then I think I also have the benefit of having done like therapy where like, I know how to set, set boundaries, that, but that's an access thing. So I Absolutely. would say in Latin, in Latin American cultures growing up, there was, that's where the machismo came in where it's like, yeah, what, yeah. there's nothing wrong with my kid. Why are you telling me there's yeah, something yeah, wrong yeah. with my kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know?
but that's not necessarily misogynist. That's a pride point of pride, right? Like, well, also so, this idea that like therapy means that there's something wrong with your kid. As yeah, opposed that's to being true. Like, life is friggin' hard, and yeah. sometimes it helps to talk to somebody who's neutral about it. You know. And when I say Latin American culture, I actually am talking about my own experience growing sure. up as first generation because yeah. I know that Latin American culture, like it, it, it's. But I would say that is a sentiment probably common among first generation Americans yeah. of any background sort of the 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 feeling of like you know <laughs> we why are you go going to the doctor if you're not yeah, sick? like like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, no, you're not very relatable yeah very relatable, absolutely but, and like yeah yeah and that's to say I, I grew up in a family that like gave me therapy but but so anyway so so how can, can I ask is it too much to ask about uh how the Christian science monitor and that like, uh, cause I mean, it would, I would be, I'm curious about the Jewish side too, but it's the less juicy one. Yeah, <laughs> it's less I sensational. Mean, yeah. They're juicy in their own way. I feel like in some ways it's not totally my story to tell, but well, I mean, about your experience about no, how that... my experience with it, I can. Tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't feel like I can tell you my dad's experience, but, you know, I mean, Christian scientists have been arrested for child abuse because they didn't take kids to doctors, you know, so I feel like he grew up very, very fearful around whether or not he would be OK, other people would be OK. You know, that's like my guess. And do, so... do you feel like he. Do you, without telling his story, do you feel like he was aware growing up? Because I mean, people are are capable of thinking critically, or I mean, because yeah, it sounds like know. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think he he is now, but I think I mean, what the way I grew up is like a that my parents really decided. I think in part because of their differences. Like my dad identified at the time as more of like a seeker, so he was curious about yoga and like to go to see Handel's Messiah at Christmas him and my like, dad are, would have totally hung out <laughs> yeah yeah but he's he's like you know reads uh was reading oh who is that person not Thich Nhat Hanh um take not Thich Nhat Hanh oh I'm forgetting her name Pema Chodron there you go he would like read her meditation books and like so I would say like on the one hand kind of a seeker and then my mom you know, definitely Jewish, but not particularly practicing in terms of going to temple or being mm. a part of that community. But I think what that left my brother and I is no one was telling us what to do in that regard. It was like, no one was saying, oh, have you prayed? It was more like, have you brushed your teeth? You know, <laughs> like, like that, that wasn't a part of the conversation. So I think I grew up with a a skepticism around organized religion that wasn't punk rock, but happened to fit in with a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because, you know, between my mother growing up in the South, but having left a lot of her family and community to come up North, I think for her, there was sort of a turning away of this practice. And then for my dad, it was a much more deliberate, like, Oh, I'm not doing that shit. You know, mm. like, so we we were well doctored as children, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe excessively so. Like I was supposed to get a small surgery when I was young, and my dad was at a certain point was like, nope, nope, nope. It was an elective surgery for um, a sinus thing. It wasn't like a big deal, but he was just like, 
too dangerous. We're not doing it. We're not taking any like health risks. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that comes from his experience growing no, up. No, that makes sense. Being that like, oh, sense. if shit goes down, that's yeah. what's happening, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Well, did you, I appreciate you sharing that because it, it is, I mean, it, it's always fascinating. That's one of the things, like, I try not to make the podcast exclusively about how our uh, religions traumatized us, but no. it is such an interesting cultural touchstone, you know? Absolutely. It goes, it goes so deep, especially like, you know, this one I can generalize, like Latin American cultures. One of the things that drives me insane about like, like, you know, liberal arts people that that i feel like being what we said about uh you know your your program at harvard being accounted for i still feel like there is a um dogmatic element to academic study and you can either be part of the dogmatic place or you can be an institution like Brigham Young, which, you know, or you can be a seminary, but it almost feels like this, there's this reaction, which in many ways, if you look at it, is also a reaction, like to religious institutions, right? So it's kind of like how Satanists are perpetually married to Christ, you know, <laughs> like, it's like they're rebelling, but they're no, still, I know exactly in, still within the institution. About. And I say this as someone who affectionately calls themselves a satanist uh, uh -huh. because it's a little punk rock uh, yeah, yeah, and a little yeah. metal but but yeah I, I it it's 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 an interesting thing when you like we got an election coming up again and i don't want to talk about it directly but one of the things that i always see that happens every two years is that people are like vote for the most vulnerable person you know with the presumption that you understand what benefits them and what their politics are. And that is like one of the most fucking racist things that is like inescapable about being in art institutions. It just drives me insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the assumption that you know someone else's experience and like the premise of democracy is if you vote your own interests somehow. I mean, not that democracy is all it's cracked up to be but like the premise is you do vote your interest and then see what happens you know it's a it's a it's a new form of virtue signaling but also oh self-aggrandizing because i think people genuinely believe it's how they convince themselves to vote when they know that they're just voting for bad things but they're like they can no longer take responsibility for the shit they're voting for. So they're going through the motions, but it's really behind their own interests because they couldn't fucking possibly like how, like, you know, man, the, the, the notion, like the way that, uh, that, 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 especially like I relate mostly to like the way Brown people are mischaracterized. Like I, I'm Cuban and the, the racist shit, that people say to me just because they think it's okay because I'm white, <laughs> like where, where it's like, where they're like, Oh no, we don't like Cubans. And I'm like, well, you are being fucking racist. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. that you don't oh, like yeah. Cubans and I understand why you don't like them, but I'm not that. And you're still right, looking at right. me with suspicion. Right, right. And I'm like, yes, I am white. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's still true that you don't All like. All of it's true. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm always wanting. And the, where I have trouble with dogma. Sorry about that. Now my phone's going. 
where I have trouble with the dogma is, um, by the way, that was my dog trainer calling. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, it really is my special. Well, well she, your dog trainer has you. Uh, I assume she was a lady. I apologize. No, uh, she is. She's okay. brilliant. <laughs> but she's but she brilliant. has you trained to answer. <laughs> I will honestly, like I have a few people listed to come through regardless. And it's actually one of the one of the mistakes I made and why I ended up with a dog in my basement. <laughs> Anne is one of the people who I, you know, Anne, my brother, a couple friends, but you know, BFFs and my parents are like, you're going to call. It's going to come through no matter what time, even if it's three in the morning. And anyway, you were talking about I... dogma. Oh, about liberal, like, do like institutional dogma. Oh, I don't want to yeah. miss that point. Do you remember oh. Well, I think that with the institutional dogma is like, I grew up skeptical of it, you know, yeah. I just, I grew up skeptical of it in part because, and I'm sort of forgetting where we were, but I think um, when I was thinking about how my mom grew up in the South as a Jew amongst Jews, feeling legitimately unsafe, but the way that their family found safety, I think, or culturally, like she had a Christmas tree, like all the Jews had Christmas trees in mm -hmm. because, and what I suspect is like, oh, looking like one fits in or assimilates is the way to be safe, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and for my father, the sense of safety is more along the lines of like health and being okay. And if someone is okay or not, but in some ways I think I saw, so I think growing up when I was a high school student, I thought I was like, oh, my mom's so conformist. It's such bullshit. You know, here I am with green hair and <laughs> dead Kennedys or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, fuck this and fuck that. But I think from a more distance now, it's like, ah, that that is a threat response. You know, yeah. that is a like camouflaging oneself culturally so that you can kind of pass or move through these worlds in different ways but i i liked how you paralleled the sort of lefty dogma with religious dogma i think that makes a lot of sense well i would i want to clarify i think of it more at the the do, the liberal dogma versus because lefty i i would say that you and i fall more in that lefty category oh, okay. which make which makes people because i i feel like uh i just think that like liberalism comes even classical liberalism how, however you want to rebrand it definitely mm -hmm. neoliberalism comes yeah, from yeah, yeah. a very uh elitist uh imperialist point of view like it's that it's mm -hmm. the ivory it's the it's the ivory tower right like mm -hmm. it's the pillars of ivory that that support the whole structure like if we really want to have a discussion it's almost like uh it's really hard to reform something from the inside right where now you have these institutions that define taste, decorum, and all these things. But like, just even, I always find it crazy when, when like, I get, like when, when, when people start speculating about history and stuff like that, they get crucified, not to use a pun, by like, uh, archaeologists, and they get called racist, right? That that guy, Grant, Graham Hancock, and I'm like. Who the fuck are archaeologists to call anybody racist, right? Like the institutionally, like it is like one of the most oh, rape yeah. and pillage or I mean, sorry, no, no R word. No, no, uh, no. I'll, I'll cut understand. the R word. I'll beep the R word out. But it, it's it, it, but like it really is about theft 
uh like and 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 so to me it's just funny like that's just such like who gives a fuck if someone's speculating and find like you know like like this and i think that a lot of that like that virtue signal like i think that that basically breaks down to like the people who are inside the empire wanting the empire to function the way that they want it and like not understanding that like the reason that there's nonstop immigration problems in this country is that we're bombing everything else outside. Absolutely. So then they get angry at the right wingers who are like, hey, uh, can we do something about this? And then we're getting to a point now where like people that are liberal are upset that we're housing migrants and not citizens. And it's just like the whole thing. It's like, where do you fucking pick a position there? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. even know how I feel about yeah. that. Like I think we both are in the everyone deserves houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Or yeah. housing. And yeah. then how do you how do you do that without right, right, wiping right. out insane amounts of wealth? You know, like it, it, oh, it, that's what you have to do exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then as someone who came from Cuba, I'm like, I can't like why people don't want that because it's yeah, like yeah. you know So did you grow up in Cuba no, proper? Or my, like, my parents came. or no no yeah, my yeah, parents yeah. came. I've never but been you to got Cuba. to hear the stories and stuff. I mean, yeah, I grew up in, I, I spent some time in Miami. There's no way you didn't hear the stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's awesome. But, but I mean, that those are the people that like liberals hate. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're like, you're like, let's take a little communism as a, as a, as a boutique interest. I've read Marx and then, <laughs> and then be like, the oh, these people book. are white people. <laughs> and they were part of the, the, the slave trade down the line. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, all of the West was. There's no part of it that was not part of this shit. Absolutely. You know? like, Absolutely. And, and to be honest, we don't even really talk about how it was mostly predator, like sex trafficking. Like labor trafficking was the smallest part of that shit when Columbus came over. So anyway, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, no, I think that's where I think people so much want to be on the right side of history. And I, you know, I too would like to be on the right side of history. But this idea that we're not all steeped in this shit and we like there's no there's no good person from good. I don't I don't I think there's I think I think it's the dog that there's like the good and there's the bad is like, oh, no, it's all mixed up there. I you think know? I think it's like part of that thing that is called like now they call it metamodernism. Right. Oh, well, yeah. We actually taught that in school, our class that a couple years ago. We read one of the books. I, I mean, I don't know. There's like there's five different post postmodernism ideologies. Sure. <laughs> I use metamodernism because it's the catchiest. I literally have uh, it written over here and I have a note no, somewhere out off screen uh -huh. a note written that says just hijack it. You don't actually have to know what it means. But <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, it's like naming a, a moment when you're in it is questionable, but I kind of like the framing of metamodernism. I think it makes some sense. But I think that that is a reflection of that where it's like postmodernism, but then the but then it postmodernism with the pragmatism of modernism, which is where the dogmatic approach of being able to determine what's right and wrong. Right. And I think I think honestly, what happened to like journalism and a lot of different stuff is that like people's brains broke when this guy got elected and they were so invested in the charade that yeah. 
that they it, it, that they focused on getting rid of this guy to keep the charade going. But the reality is, is that he made the whole thing look bad because he didn't play along. He was saying the things yep. he was talking about how we're doing. We He said, we're occupying Syria for the oil. That's it. It's not a, a, a virtuous, you know, and then when I watch stuff like uh, uh, NPR, it's like, that it is like crazy. I can only have the radio on when for my dogs when I'm gone. Yeah. The the NPR it's and and, and New York Times. Like to me it's crazy that anybody anybody that pays for the New York Times after the Iraq war is paying someone to lie to them. <laughs> I mean, but, I subscribe to New York Times cooking, so their recipes are on point. But Okay. Well, I mean, they did get us into the war in Iraq. Those recipes. I know. I know those recipes, man. Chicken no, but, but it's but it but like NPR will do a story on like the slave trade in Libya and they won't tell you that it was Hillary Clinton that like destabilized Libya. It's so crazy to me. So anyway, I guess we're 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 getting into me just ranting. So we should probably call it a night. <laughs> but it was lovely to talk to you. It's nice Thank to have you. you nod your head at me because it's it, it makes me feel like I'm right. But I don't know if that's a good exercise. For well, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think we come at it from different ways. Like everybody has different preoccupations, and my sense is that you have a really good, sort of more zoomed out view of world history and dynamics and i'm always orienting towards um intimate relationships so mm -hmm. parents and family and lovers and exes and friends like that's where i'm my and dogs like i'm obsessed yeah. that's where my obsession lies so. but you said you didn't want to talk about your mom <laughs> i didn't oh no i we talked oh. about her i told you how she was raised in atlanta no i always i always want to talk about my mom but sometimes i do too much so <laughs> she might want to listen to this so I, hi mom i love no, you I, mom i love yeah. you dad <laughs> yeah no 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 thank i mean you. i would i wouldn't do that to you <laughs> no thank you i'm curious did chelsea introduce you to me and my work or did we find think, each other I on think, the internet or i think we found each other just through instagram and Wonderful. Uh, yeah yeah and uh and i noticed people you know who who i think might be might be interested based on what they say uh out loud and, and stuff so i would have never guessed you were a harvard grad <laughs> i had it well i call it the h-bomb yeah. that's yeah, the yeah, h-bomb yeah. <laughs> dropping the h-bomb usually yeah. i don't talk about that in interviews but you started me on it with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really your fault <laughs> well yeah i think i think i think the way that i set the, the way that i asked the question set it up so that you could not not tell me because the joke was <laughs> was set up so, i know i tried to not i was shocked you, i was shocked like i was like oh I could no tell i hit it on the head more shocking than that the dog trainer is on my like calls that get through list <laughs> all right well it's been lovely talking to you thank uh, you can, can we promote anything for you um oh you're, let's you're... see i have a show yeah i have a show that's up right now in denton texas at university of north texas in their galleries cool that's up through july 8th it's called it gets better or it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> talk about holding the binary in are you are you queer i i, I it's so queer <laughs> okay i mean i just i mean you know 
I figure some people just some women like to have short hair, so you never oh, know. It's one of those things I feel insecure <laughs> about, and I used to ask my ex girlfriend. I was like, but I was like, do you think I'd be wearing something unusual for me and be like, but do you think I look like straight in this? And she's like, you never look straight. You <laughs> never ever ever look straight. You don't have to worry about it. Still, I worry about it, but yeah, yeah. I never look straight. Apparently, well, <laughs> at least I would... the one gay lady. <laughs> Your haircut looks amazing, so I didn't want to assume. As does yours. As does yours. <laughs> I figured we we had something in common there at the very go. least. We shave there our heads. Um, and then your Instagram. Oh, I am Sleepy Labright. Sleepy Labright. And... So it's after there was a musician named Sleepy Labeef, and I just adopted his for Sleepy Labright. <laughs> Sounds good. And then, uh, yeah, and then we'll be back uh, with you guys next week with another topic that may or may not be art related. And thanks for checking us out. Thank you. Let me stop the recording. <laughs>